0: So, <clears throat> I hope y'all had a good Thanksgiving. We had a pretty good Thanksgiving. We had our niece over from Washington, D.C. for Thanksgiving, and we tried to show her a bit of Kansas City. So, on Tuesday, we went to Chicken and Pickle to play pickleball and eat chicken. And I was, got up, and I was getting ready to head to the restroom, and I had a, I had a, I had a flashback, and it was kind of a traumatizing flashback to the year... 2002, Liz and I were driving back from our own family Thanksgiving in Indiana, and we were driving back to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, where we were living, and we tried a new route on the highways instead of the interstate, kind of some back roads. And so when you're, when you're driving an interstate and you have to stop for a bathroom break, it's easy. But when you're on the back roads, it's a little bit more difficult. And so finally, in this random small town in Ohio, we saw a KFC, Kentucky Fried Chicken. So we fly into the bathroom. Well, Liz goes in, I park the car, and then I, I get, get inside. And as I walk into the men's room, and I'm standing in a stall, and all of a sudden I hear a voice from the stall next to me. It's a familiar voice. And it says, Mike? Just like that. <laughs> Mike? A- a- and I respond in kind of, yes? <laughs> At which point Liz asks, Mike, why are you in the women's room? My, my shoes were a dead giveaway. They're facing the wrong way. But I knew I was in the men's room. I remember the sign distinct. it said men's, and I walked in, it said men's, and so I protested and, and, and Liz corrected me and I protested some more and I left the room and immediately noticed on the door across from me, it said rooster's some of you are figuring out, it completely eroded my confidence that the door that I came out of said, men's. <laughs> like, y- you got to admit, that's a, a cute choice for a chicken joint in their bathrooms, hens and roosters, only as, as, a, as a men. I had been trained for over 25 years that if a door had a four-letter word that ended in ends, it was most likely 99.9% of the time going to be the men's room. And men's is like one crooked line away from hen's. Like that's, you can't, how would they expect me to undo 25 years of training in an instant? If you're KFC and you're going to divide the world into two kinds of people, hens and roosters, you need a little more clarity in your distinction between the two. Like chicken and pickle. When I first saw the silhouette at Chicken and Pickle, I was immediately sent back to KFC in Ohio. I could feel my anxiety. The sweat was breaking out. I'm going to make the wrong choice here. Like, I know how this goes, but the W. <sighs> In all its glorious clarity, it grounded me. There's no mistaking, no ambiguity, no room for error. Even if I don't know a chicken silhouette from a rooster silhouette, I at least know my W's from my M's. Clarity. And if you're going to divide the, if you're going to divide the world into two kinds of people, clarity is key. A couple of months ago, we we heard this truth that in this life, as we live it now, as far as Jesus is concerned. There's only one kind of person in this life. There's only one kind of person. We're all children of God, equally created, equally loved by God the Father. But behind that truth is another more difficult truth. That one day in the kingdom to come, we will be divided into two kinds of people. And I'm not talking about hens and roosters. I'm talking about what? goats, and sheep. Thankfully, Jesus is way clearer than Kentucky Fried Chicken, clearer even than chicken and pickle when it comes to dividing the world into two kinds of people. And so this is what Jesus says. It's in Matthew chapter 25, and it's verses 31 through 46. This is what he says. The Son of Man will come in all His glory. All the angels will come with Him, and then He will sit in glory on His throne. All the nations will be gathered in front of Him, and He will separate the people into two groups. He will be like a shepherd who separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep to His right and the goats to His left. And then the king will speak to those on his right. He will say, my father has blessed you. Come and take what is yours. It is the kingdom prepared for you since the world was created. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you gave them to me. I was sick and you took care of me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the people who have done what is right will answer him, Lord, they will ask, when did we see you hungry and feed you? When did we see you thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you as a stranger and invite you in? When did we see you needing clothes and give them to you? When did we see you sick? Or in prison and go to visit you. The king will reply, What I'm about to tell you is true. Anything you did for one of the least important of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. And then he will say to those on his left, You are cursed. Go away from me into the fire that burns forever. It has been prepared for the devil and his angels. I was hungry. But you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, but you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, but you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, but you did not give me any. I was sick and in prison, but you did not take care of me. They also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty and not help you? When did we see you as a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and not help you? He will reply, what I'm about to tell you is true. Anything you didn't do for one of the least important of these, you didn't do for me. Then they will go away to be punished forever, but those who have done what is right will receive eternal life. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Gracious God, we thank you. We thank you for the clarity of your Son, Jesus Christ. We thank you for his words to us today. We pray, Lord, that you might change us, move us, shape us into the sheep you would have us be, that we might follow your shepherd in all that we do. And so speak to each of us. You know us intimately. You are with us always. Speak, for we are listening. Amen. So, we've been a lectionary-based congregation for the last three years, which means we've been following the assigned Scripture readings each Sunday. And those scr- Scripture readings, then they correspond with the Christian calendar. So this week is Christ the King Sunday It's the culmination of the Christian year, and we've been with Jesus since last Advent as we waited for the coming of the Messiah, and this week we celebrate Christ enthroned in the kingdom to come, reigning over all creation. So maybe you can hear why the compilers of the lectionary readings picked this scripture for today. This is Christ our King ruling and judging over his people in fact, as you know, this is the only place in the entire New Testament where we read about Christ sitting in judgment over the earth. This is all we get. This is the only picture we have of Christ judging us. And yet, for something that only happens in once in Scripture, we spend a lot of time talking about judgment, dissecting judgment, worrying about judgment judgment will i be found lacking or will jesus say to me well done good and faithful servant will he say that to my loved one will i see them in heaven will will they see me in heaven am i truly forgiven am i a sheep or am i a goat because at the end of days there will be how many kinds of people two kinds of people sheep and goats. And it ain't going to be good for the goats. This teaching by Jesus comes at the end of what is often called the little apocalypse, Matthew's little apocalypse. Jesus has come to Jerusalem and Passover is close at hand. He's teaching the disciples on the Mount of Olives and he's been speaking in some pretty dark tones. Historically, an apocalypse is a genre in scripture in which God reveals mysteries of some kind to a prophet or a similar being the latter half of daniel in the old testament is considered an apocalypse and so for obvious reasons is the book of revelation it's john's apocalypse and chapters 24 and 25 are matthew's apocalypse jesus tells the disciples about a time of tribulation about the end of this age and we think about the destruction of the temple That happened in 70 A.D., just 40 years later. Jesus tells them some parables, encouraging them to be ready, to be prepared. He tells the disciples that even he, though, doesn't know when it's going to happen, when the end will come. Only the Father in heaven knows. And he tells them that those who are not prepared will experience an eternity of wailing and gnashing of teeth. Things aren't going to be good for the goats. And it's scary. And so we focus on that. We focus on images of the apocalypse. All too often we're fascinated by it. Preachers make a living touring the country preaching about it, decoding the seals and the beasts and the dragons and just how long the tribulation will be. Authors and actors make millions speculating about the ones who will be left behind. We fixate on that place and we worry about that fate and we work ourselves into a state over which kind of person will be when jesus reigns on his throne which kind of person will our loved ones be what kind of person will our enemies be because there's only going to be two kinds of people sheep and goats but thankfully jesus provides clarity when it comes to dividing us into two kinds of people, Jesus tells us exactly how he's going to do it. There's no guessing. There's no, there's no need to fret or doubt. Jesus gives it to us straight. It's not like we're at the risk of thinking we're walking into one room only to realize it didn't say what we thought it said. And then when Jesus pops out of a stall and says, you're cursed, go away from me into the fire that burns forever that has been prepared for the devil and the angels. That would be enough to put you off of public restrooms for a good long while. But Jesus is clear and tells us exactly what we need to know about our relationship with our neighbors, our relationship with Jesus, and how to be a sheep. So what does Jesus say we need to know about our relationship with our neighbors? It's right there in the first three verses of this scripture. The Son of Man will come in all his glory. All the angels will come with him. Then he will sit in glory on his throne. All the nations will be gathered in front of him. He will separate the people into two groups. He will be like a shepherd who separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep to his right and the goats to his left. The Son of Man. That's Jesus, by the way. It's a title for the Messiah straight out of Daniel's apocalypse. The Son of Man will sit in glory on his throne. So, so who's on the throne? Jesus, right, our king, Christ, the king, is on the throne. And all the nations are gathered in front of him. And what is he, the one on the throne, Christ, the king, what is he going to do? He'll separate the two, right? Now, notice, Jesus didn't say that all the nations would be gathered in front of him and Steve would separate the two people in into groups, right? No, he didn't say that all the nations are gathered in front of him and, and, and Karen is going to separate the people into two groups. No, who's going to do it? Jesus. And who will do the judging? Jesus. But how many of us have ever pretended we're on that throne? How many of us have done a bit of separating in our heads? in our hearts how many times have those words made their way out of our lips surely he's going to hell it's gonna be hot where she's going surely Tom Brady is a goat right we all know what Jesus is gonna say to him right Tom I got two words for you deflate but it's it's not up to us it never has been and it never will be. We're not the judge of anybody, which at the end of the day, if you think about it, is incredibly freeing, right? It means I don't have to worry. It's not up to me. I can't do anything. It's not even for me to know whether someone else is a goat or a sheep. That's all between them and God and Jesus on the throne. It's not up to us to judge them, It's not up to us to judge our neighbors. Jesus already told us the one thing we're supposed to do with our neighbors. Anybody remember that one? Love, right, love them, love them. Even the roosters that wake us up too early in the morning, love them. And then Jesus tells us an amazing truth about himself. Jesus tells us that he is two kinds of people. Did y'all know this? That's the kind of king that we have. Jesus tells us He's the Son of Man coming in all His glory. Jesus tells the disciples, they're with him on the Mount of Olives, all 12 of them still, and us that He is fully divine. He is glorified. He is our Savior. Jesus is fully and completely divine. He is God on His throne. But then he says this: I was hungry. And you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty. And you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger. And you invited me in. I needed clothes. And you gave them to me. I was sick. And you took care of me. I was in prison. And you came to visit me. What I'm about to tell you is true. Anything you did for one of the least important of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Jesus who's just told us he's fully divine, goes on to tell us he is fully human. He's two kinds of people, fully divine and fully human. It's something we can never fully know. It's something we can never fully understand because we are all too human. And we're not even good at being the kind of humans we're supposed to be. And so Christ is fully divine and fully human. It's a holy mystery, but it's a beautiful mystery that our God in all of his glory also knows intimately what it means to be the least of these. What it means to go hungry, what it means to thirst, what it means to be a stranger in a strange land, to need clothing, to be ill, to be imprisoned. Jesus knows no other king in the history of kings and queens and emperors and dictators and presidents and prime ministers can claim to know so intimately what the least experiences. Even as he sits on his throne of judgment, Jesus knows what it means to be judged. And while it might seem like the Son of Man sitting in all his glory on a throne in the heavens is infinitely unknowable and infinitely distant from us, Jesus is also right next to us in our deepest hour of need. Even at our darkest moment when we feel less than the least of these, Jesus is there, experiencing it with us. We're never alone in our suffering. And that's a beautiful mystery. And it's that mystery which helps us know definitively how to be a sheep. I mean, it's so embarrassingly simple, I don't even need to say it, right? The king will speak to those on his right. He will say, my father has blessed you. Come and take what is yours. Like it's already yours. It's the kingdom that was prepared for you since the world was created. I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you gave them to me. I was sick and you took care of me. I was in prison And you came to visit me. Love your neighbor. Especially when your neighbor is in distress. Love your neighbor when your neighbor is hungry. Love your neighbor when your neighbor is thirsty. Love your neighbor when your neighbor needs clothes. When your neighbor is sick, when your neighbor is prison. And don't just love the neighbors you know. Love your neighbor when your neighbor is a stranger. It's that simple. And Jesus gives it to us with clarity. There's no mistaking who's going to be a sheep and who's going to be a goat. And yet it's not that simple, right? Because the world is at odds with the kingdom over which Christ Jesus reigns. Our world is a world of wannabe goats. We run around trying to be the greatest of all time, and when we do that, it's awfully easy to overlook the least. When we overlook the least of these, it means we overlook who? Jesus. Because that's exactly where Jesus is. Jesus' instructions are remarkably clear, but they're not that simple. That's why, in this season of thankfulness, I'm thankful to be a part of a denomination that began when some young 20-somethings decided they needed a spiritual revival. And they decided to actually listen to what Jesus is saying. Some of us have been chatting about the United Methodist Church downstairs and this church and what it means to be a part of a church. And we've been downstairs in between services, and one of the things we talked about was how those very first Methodists, the Wesleys and their friends, they began by studying Scripture every day, People derisively called them the Bible moths. They were praying constantly. They were fasting. And they were being sheep. Literally, they were visiting the sick, the elderly. They were going to prisons to share hope. They were sharing their money with those who were less fortunate. Anybody here ever been in Sunday school class? I've said this, but you all know where Sunday school started, right? With the Methodists in England going to the coal mines where the poor kids were working instead of going to school during the week. And so they started school on Sunday. It wasn't about Jesus. It was about arithmetic and reading and writing, the least of these, learning, so that they might not be the least forever. That's, that's our heritage. It's what I think about when I think about the honor you were given a couple weeks ago, that people see your service in the community That Wesleyan heritage is visible to our neighbors. And so today, as we close out the year and we look to a new one, let's do it by recommitting to give ourselves to Christ, which means giving all of ourselves to the least, the lost, the lonely, which means ultimately being what? Sheep. Sheep. Jesus told us how it's done easy. The hard part is deciding what we're going to do. So I invite you now to share with me as we once again pray together the Wesleyan covenant prayer. I am no, I'm no longer, longer my, my own, own, but thine. Put, put me to what, what thou wilt. Rank me with whom thou wilt. Put, put me to doing. Put me to, put me me to suffering. Let, let me, me be employed, employed by, by thee, or laid or aside for thee. For exalted for thee, or brought, brought low for thee. thee. Let, let me, me be, be full. full let, let me be empty. Me be empty. Let, let me have, have all things. Let me have nothing. I I freely freely and heartily heartily yield yield all things things to Thy pleasure and disposal. And now, O glorious and blessed God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Spirit, Thou art art mine, and I I am Thine, so be it. And the covenant which I have made on earth, let let it be ratified ratified in heaven. heaven. Amen. Amen.